The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. Hey, what's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 294, broadcasting live on Wednesday, May 13th, 2015. I'm your host, Rich, and our caller number is 347-324-3541. Again, that caller number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. Our MMA and wrestling shows air live every Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. Our gaming and entertainment shows air every Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. As always, if this is your first time tuning in, there's a couple of ways you can listen to the show or watch the show. Uh, First of all, you can head to mtrlive.com. You can also head over to gfqlive.tv. Those are the two ways to participate in the live chat and also watch a video feed of the show. You can also listen via Mixler, which has a player on mtrlive.com or download the official Mixler app and you can listen to the show live via the Mixler app. Just punch in my take radio and you can listen to a live feed of the show in progress. Last but not least, you can use our call number, not hit option one and listen to the show that way as well. As for archive versions of the show, if you miss it, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and of course on RageWorks.net. Video versions of the show are available on our two YouTube channels, My Take Radio TV, which is strictly for My Take Radio shows, and on the official RageWorks channel, which covers the shows plus all our tech reviews, gaming, and assorted other things that we post on that channel as well. All right, so last week we gave away our Moto X to Jen. Congratulations once again to Jen for participating in the contest. She actually emailed me earlier today letting me know that she received the phone. Uh, Very happy to hear that she received it and that she is happy with it. I'm looking forward to sharing a before and after picture with you guys so you guys can see the phone that she used to have and, of course, the phone that she currently has now. I think it was a very, very cool contest. Um Turnout, like I said, was 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 decent. I'm sure that in the coming weeks when we do some other giveaways, things will uptick 
of course. Uh, a couple of things before we get into the week's MMA and wrestling. Uh, first off, some broadcasting updates. Of course, we are on the road to MTR 300. And um, as of right now, no idea what we're going to do for 300. A couple of people have pitched me some suggestions. And I think they're they're pretty promising. We'll see what we're going to do. But hopefully, it'll be just as epic and uh, monumental as episode 200 was when we made the jump to video. Also, in the month of June, we will be covering Special Edition NYC, uh, the first weekend of June. We're also going to be covering Consumer Electronics Week towards the end of the month. Um, There will be a couple of days where there will be no shows uh, for a few reasons, especially during Consumer Electronics Week, obviously, because they will be taking place. uh, Consumer Electronics Week is usually the entire week, so by the time we get home from these events, there will be very minimal time for show prep, plus, uh, you know, this old guy is celebrating a birthday, so I'm going to take a... Uh, some well-deserved rest as well. Nonetheless, MTR 300, hopefully we can do something, like I said, just as awesome as we did when we marked our 200th episode. If you've been on RageWorks.net, you've noticed that we've got a ton of new content up. We got a lot of stuff relating to The Witcher, which Slick posted. We also got the trailer for the Supergirl TV show. I share my thoughts on that, plus some other content as well. We're also going to be releasing an episode of Black is the New Black. We were supposed to release that earlier this week, but there were some audio issues that hopefully Ben and I have worked out, so we're going to put that up. And I also know that Ben and Taylor uh, broadcasted a new episode earlier today, which we will be posting up as soon as the audio is available. Speaking of which, Ben and Taylor will be joining me for an episode of My Take Radio for a gaming and entertainment episode in the near future. We're just ironing out details for that, so be on the lookout for that announcement within the next couple of weeks. We're also going to see the return of MTR behind the mic as I interview the real Brian from ProfitCast, Arrow Squad, and Central City Underground. Uh, Looking forward to that interview. I think it's going to be really, really cool. Uh, This guy, you know, he does two great shows, one dedicated to Arrow, one dedicated to The Flash, plus he does a great podcast, which is ProfitCast, about monetizing your podcast, which... For many of us, and you know, this includes most of my colleagues, that's always something that many of us strive for. I think Brian does a really great job with his show, and I look forward to sharing his work with you guys as well. I know that I owe you guys some other content, but we've been trying to work on all the product reviews plus all the stuff we are doing on the back end of the site, some of which has already been completed, and it really is going to give you guys one of the best experiences possible. Now, just to backtrack, I spoke about this two episodes back about uh, people interested in, you know, writing for Rageworks or possibly doing podcasts on the network. We, you know, we're still vetting some of that stuff out with regards to writers. And I mentioned this, like I said, two episodes back. I, you know, people got to be committed again, just because it's not a, um, a paid gig doesn't mean that if you don't believe in it, that you could just write when you feel like it. That shit's not cool. We're not here to babysit. We're all grown-ass adults. So, again, got to put that out there because I've gotten... I've received a decent number of emails within the last week after I I said that on air. And people just... They don't get it. And I'm just... I'm not doing it. You know, I... I, There's enough work that goes into running Rageworks and MTR that, you know, don't want to babysit anybody. So, again, if you're interested... 
have some experience, know how to take direction, be familiar with WordPress. You guys know the deal. I'm not I'm not going to beat this up too much. I just figured I would give people a refresher that have asked for updates relating to their inquiries. So got to put that out there as well. Uh, one other thing I did want to mention, uh, we are probably going to test an alternate solution for video next week. Um, Andrew from GFQ is celebrating a birthday today, so I know that he was going to be unavailable to set us up for video, but it's all good. We actually recorded, we are actually recording video on the back end, which is still going to go on the channel. And of course, you can catch the audio via the Mixler feed and participate in the chat. I'm either going to try YouTube Live once again, or a couple of people have been telling me that I can use Twitch um, and try that. I'm, I'm not sure if that's going to work only because, and I've mentioned this before, a lot of people are saying that it has to be strictly game-related content on Twitch. So I'm going to feel that process out before jumping in and saying that we're going to start airing the show on Twitch or simulcasting the show on Twitch. We'll see how that goes, but um, hopefully we'll have it all set up. Maybe I'll do some test broadcasts this weekend just to do some testing to see how it works. If all goes well, then we will have an alternate video solution for situations like this. But again, if you are on mtrlive.com and you see the GFQ video feed, just mute it, press play on the Mixler feed, or obviously if you're listening via Blog Talk Radio, uh, not the best audio quality, but that's another way to listen to the show as well. All right, so what's on deck for tonight? We are going to talk about the UFC event from this past weekend in Australia, which was surprisingly solid. Um, We got to talk about the week's MMA news. I am going to talk about Raw on the wrestling segment and the week's wrestling news, but I'm going to try a different approach only because I've realized as I edited the shows that it was becoming essentially a match-by-match recap, which at this point, you know, it's, it's Wednesday night. If you don't know what the hell happened on Raw, then something is definitely amiss, so... Uh, not going to do the the straight recap route. I think I'm going to kind of borrow from what we do on Rageworks, which is the three, uh, the four R's, the right, the wrong, the, the rawsome and you know, the, what the fuck, but, um, we're going to, we're going to kind of switch that up a little bit and just kind of showcase the highs, what I thought were some of the low points and some of the really, really awesome moments. If there aren't any, again, just testing the waters out with something new. We'll see how it goes. All right, so as always, if you want to participate, mtrlive.com. You can use our live chat. You can also participate by calling in 347-324-3541, 347-324-3541. All right, so without any further ado, let's jump into the week's MMA. A couple of things I want to go into, like I said, especially the UFC fight card in Australia. Let's get that ball rolling. As always, My Take Radio's MMA segment is brought to you by MMAWarehouse.com. Get all your favorite fighter gear, training gear, and anything associated with the sport of mixed martial arts, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and Muay Thai by heading over to MMAWarehouse.com. Look on RageWorks.net for any banners and promo codes, and please feel free to click those to do your purchases as it does help out 
Rageworks, and My Take Radio. All right, so let's get this ball rolling with UFC Fight Night 65, which was capped off with an awesome main event between Mark Hunt and Stipe Miocic. As always, I am not going to do the fight-by-fight recap, but I do want to talk about some of my favorite fights for the broadcast, which I thought really, really stood out. And the first fight I want to talk about is a fight that started picking up a lot of steam over the last couple of weeks, and that was the women's strawweight fight between Lisa Ellis and Beck Rawlings. For those of you not familiar with these two ladies, both of them were in the uh, strawweight edition of The Ultimate Fighter. Both women uh, come from, you know, backgrounds with children and families. There was a lot of emotion that really picked up as this fight got closer. Uh, Lisa Ellis originally was kind of cool with Beck Rawlings during the show, and then things, you know, they they went sideways as as they do in most reality shows, and that started to put them at odds. And then the fight really started picking up steam when Lisa Ellis made some commentary on social media about Beck Rawlings coming to trade here in the States instead of pending, uh, instead of spending time with her children and preparing for a fight locally. Now, obviously, different cases can be made, but we're not here to talk about parenting. We're here to talk about people punching each other in the face. So let's talk about the fight, shall we? I, I do have to say that Beck Rawlings is an incredibly marketable an incredibly marketable fighter uh the young lady young <laughs> young lady she's a mom and she has like two kids but uh she she does a great job of utilizing social media like most new fighters well like most seasoned fighters in the new generation are doing leveraging it accordingly to ensure that they get the most exposure possible Obviously, this can be anything from training camp videos, scantily clad photos, if you're into that sort of thing, and just regular mundane updates as well. Um, of course, one of one of the one of the few that has leveraged that with great success has been Felice Herrig. Um, close second to that are some of the other fighters from that season, including Carlos Barza, um, Rose Namajunas, Beck Rawlings. All have done a great job. Uh, Angela Magana, all have done a great job leveraging social media to raise their profile. But in Beck Rawlings' case, you know, a case can be made, according to Lisa Ellis, that, you know, she just is a uh, an unfit mother based on how she conducts herself. I I don't agree with that. I think that, you know, she's just a, a badass fighter who knows that she has to fight to support her family, and she's leveraging all the tools accessible to get the job done. And I can tell you, that as soon as Lisa Ellis made that comment about her not spending time with her kids or being an unfit mother as the buildup to this fight, this fight really took a, a turn towards the more personal, which it, it was inevitable, but it really it really just picked up steam. And Beck Rawlings went into this fight with, you know, a huge chip on her shoulder, a lot of emotion, and I gotta admit, she really was, you know, she wasn't playing. She was coming in there to do work and she did that she went in they had a really crazy exchange at the beginning of the round at which point uh beck rawlings really just turned it up set it up with a knee to the head then more rights dropped her with another knee at which point ellis dropped down to one leg and pretty much rawlings took her back flattened her out and then choked her unconscious with a rear naked choke at four minutes and nine seconds in the first in the first round now as i said uh, very emotional fight for both women. A lot of a lot of animosity going in. Great performance by Beck Rawlings, uh, making a statement for herself post 
Ultimate Fighter. And um, Lisa Ellis, you know, she she and I noticed this during the season, too. She was, uh, a, a, you know, a family oriented uh, young woman. And um, she really was a, a, about keeping keeping her family close. And, and that's cool. But the problem with a sport like MMA or a sport like professional wrestling is that the preparation will take its toll on on your family, on your personal relationships, and you got to be ready to make those sacrifices. And I felt that during the Ultimate Fighter, I really got the vibe that Lisa Ellis was not ready for that. I mean, she had a good showing on the show, but she really wasn't as ready as you would have thought. Now, the other fight I did want to talk about was Daniel Hooker and Hatsu Hiyoki, which really bummed me out. Hatsu Hiyoki, of course, Great prospect, came into the UFC with a lot of fanfare. His performances have been hit and miss. Uh, This performance was a huge miss as Daniel Hooker secured the KO via head kick in the second round. Uh, Hioki was doing pretty well. He had set up a body kick, and Hooker was starting to to really feel those, and he just swung for the fences, caught him with a a head kick, and Hatsu Hioki fell over, and that was it. Uh, Really, really beautiful KO from Daniel Hooker in that fight, I was really, really impressed, especially because he weathered the storm of Hatsu Hiyoki putting putting the real screws to him in that fight. The other fight, of course, that I did want to talk about is the big one, Mark Hunt, Stipe Miocic. Mark Hunt, of course, Mark number ranked number five. Stipe Miocic ranked number four. Miocic being four inches taller and then Hunt and having a six-inch reach advantage. Uh, the fight definitely was a coming-out party for Stipe Miocic. I've been following his career for quite some time. Um, he did a couple of interviews on Gary and Spill Bag of Ice's Fight Insight Radio, originally MMA Gospel, and even on that show, he came off as incredibly grounded, incredibly humbled, but also a guy that believed in his technique and knew that as as he got more experience, he would get further and further in the sport. He went out there and fought one of the best in Mark Hunt. Mark Hunt is, without a doubt, one of the most dangerous guys on the planet, win, lose, or draw. Uh, this guy, Mark Hunt, if you want an example of how dangerous he is, just look up the fight between him and Stefan Struve and look at a post-fight x-ray of Stefan Struve's jaw, which was cracked right in the front and pretty much up into his upper, his upper jaw also had a crack as well. This is, this is how serious this guy hits. Mark Hunt, like I said, a pioneer from the Pride days. A lot of people felt that he was going to just be a journeyman and, and that most of the modern era fighters would pass him by, but the guy's definitely sticking around. He's hanging with the best of them. And Stipe, Stipe brought it to, to, to Mark Hunt at a level that very few have seen. I mean, Mark Hunt is not a guy that you're going to dispatch very easily. you got to be ready to go in there and have a war. Every time you get you get in the octagon with him, and this fight was no different. These guys slugged it out from bell to bell with Stipe Miocic finally, finally securing uh, a dominant position and taking out Mark Hunt in the fifth round. It was crazy too because um, you know the, a lot of people were saying that the ref should have stopped the fight, uh, that the ref waited too long to stop the fight. It, you know, there's many schools of thought. I did feel it went on a little longer than it should have, but Stipe definitely, um, you know, put put in the work for this fight. He looked incredibly impressive in each round. Not to not to say that Mark Hunt looked terrible, but you could just see that Stipe was thoroughly, thoroughly prepared to weather the storm that is Mark Hunt. 
And like I said, as it went through each round, you could see that Stipe was feeling more and more comfortable in each exchange all the way to the fifth round where he secured the victory via TKO. A surprisingly solid card. Like I said, I really wanted to talk about those fights because I actually looked for those those fights specifically because the card was on UFC Fight Pass. But alas, still an overall enjoyable card. Had its fair share of knockouts and submission finishes. And... um, I'm sure we're, we haven't seen the last of the Super Samoan, and Stipe Miocic definitely puts himself in title talk with a victory over the durable and extremely dangerous Mark Hunt. All right, so let's jump into the week's MMA news, of which there were actually quite a few. Uh, let's talk about fight bonuses first. $50,000 bonuses were handed out at UFC Fight Night 65. Robert Whitaker, Alex Chambers, Daniel Hooker, of course, with that beautiful... Uh, head kick knockout on Hatsuhiyoki and James Vick all took $50,000 performance bonuses. Now, let's move on to this Saturday, which is another incredible card, pri- primarily because of the main event, in my opinion, and that is UFC Fight Night 66. But here's the thing. This this fight is taking place in the Philippines, and normally you would think that this would be relegated to a fight pass card But this card will be happening on Fox Sports. But it's not going to be a 10 p.m. fight or an 8 p.m. fight. This is going to be a 10 a.m. fight. So let's break this down. The preliminary card on UFC Fight Pass will begin at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Then the prelims will continue to Fox Sports 1, and those will begin at 8 a.m. And then the main card will begin on Fox Sports 1 at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Like I said, really, really great fights on this card. The main event, Frankie the Answer Edgar taking on the California Kid, Uriah Faber. This is going to be a tremendous fight for both of these guys. Frankie Edgar uh, definitely on a tear. Uriah Faber is always a beloved fan favorite. I'm looking forward to this scrap. I think both guys have a lot to gain from this fight, even an opportunity at a championship against the you know the winner of Jose Aldo and um you know good old Conor McGregor. So again, one of those things that's really really worth checking out if you have the opportunity on Saturday morning is that fight. Gegard Busasi will be facing Costa Filippo. Also Luke Barnett will be facing Mark Munoz. Um all signs are pointing to this being Mark Munoz's last fight in the octagon and then he will retire. We'll see if that truly is the case. Uh, Hyung Gyu Lim will be facing Neil Magny. Philippe Nover is also fighting on that card. And uh, the opener is going to be Mark Adiva taking on Levon Maxchivili. So, again, 10 a.m., Fox Sports 1, the main event, Frankie Edgar, Uriah Faber. A really, really solid fight. Again, these guys always give spectacular performances. Win, lose, or draw, I think it's going to be a fight that fans are going to be talking about later in the day. So do yourselves a favor, Fox Sports 1 this Saturday at 10 a.m. to check out that fight. All right, so, of course, the injury bug once again strikes in the UFC. This time, Anthony Showtime Pettis is out of his fight um, with Miles Jury. Edson Barboza will be stepping in to replace him for UFC on Fox 16, which goes down July 25th. Of course, the main event for that card T.J. Uh, Dillashaw, Henan Barrow, and like I said, Edson Barboza is stepping in to replace Anthony Pettis to face Miles Jury. Also on that card, Jessica I and Misha Tate will be squaring off. The winner of that fight 
will will meet the winner of the Beck Correa uh, Ronda Rousey fight. So definitely a fight that we must keep an eye on for future title implications. Also, Eric Koch will be on that card facing Ramsey Najem. Those two guys definitely never disappoint. Also, Danny Castillo, Rustam Kabilov, which I think is going to be the sleeper hit on that card. And last but not least, Takanori Gomi, the fireball kid, facing Boston's Joe Lazan, which I think is also going to be a great fight as well. All right, so last week we touched on the UFC fight sponsorships um, with, well, let me rephrase that, the UFC and Reebok fight sponsorship opportunities that fighters will be getting starting in July. And of course, we discussed a breakdown of how these fighters were going to be paid based on tenure, and a lot of fighters were displeased. I mean, the bulk, I I really want to say the bulk of the tweets that I read were expressing displeasure in the payment structure for these guys. And some of you agree, some of you disagree, and I think that's going to continue to be the case as excuse me, as the as the fights start really taking shape from July on with Reebok as the main sponsor. But I do want to say this, and this is something that a lot of people have been talking about as well, and that's the fact that even though Reebok is handling the bulk of the sponsorships, that just means that the fighters are in a position to earn more money from the UFC to supplement the hit that they're going to be taking by losing so many of their sponsors. And a lot of people have used uh, the NFL, the NBA, uh, Major League Baseball as examples of all fighters wearing, I mean, all athletes wearing uniforms. But to borrow a line from Ben when he's been on the show citing independent contractor rules, I can understand where there is cause for debate. But I do want to use another example, which kind of puts it into into the camp of an understandable situation, and that is wrestlers. Wrestlers are considered independent contractors. Always have been, always will be. And unless a union is formed or something is done, wrestlers will always be independent contractors. And even when wrestlers are signed with promotions such as WWE, TNA, Global Force Wrestling, Ring of Honor, they are going to wear the merchandise and the ring attire that they are provided by their company, either wardrobe or whatever the case may be. Even on the independents, you know, the independents are a little more loose with those restrictions, but all major promotions, the wrestlers and the talent involved abide by some sort of a dress code, whether it's the ring gear, whether it's, you know, wearing certain attire for interviews and public appearances. There's always a level of involvement from the promotion. So WWE is a great example. Most of the wrestlers have their own shirts. Very few of them come out there wearing, um, you know, other brands, other things. They come out wearing the stuff provided them by the company. Even The Rock, when he's shown up with his Under Armour shirt, and you can see that they're clearly Under Armour that has been scribbled out, and then they throw a Brahma Bull logo on it, even even in that regard, it is still company attire. So again, uh, wrestlers are getting a cut of their merchandise revenue, much like you know 
is is rumored to be happening in the UFC. And I think that that's where the real question is going to be. You're a fighter. You get popular. People start to notice. Reebok starts putting out more stuff with your face, your logo, whatever the case may be on it, at which case, uh, you know, at which point you will make more money. Again, the UFC Reebok deal is something that is going to be contested and debated for the foreseeable future. The only real beneficiaries thus far outside of the fighters that have got that have received separate deals is Bellator because fighters that are thinking and contemplating about going or you know thinking of going to the UFC because they feel that it's the premier organization are a little hesitant because of the rumored pay structure that's that's taking place with the UFC and Reebok. So even Scott Coker has gone on record and has said that fighters have been reaching out to him and calling him because it's it's not as lucrative as one would think. Now, like I've like I said before, it also comes down to negotiating your contract with the UFC. And I'm sure there's going to be fighters who are going to you know call up Dana White and be like, "Dude, this is bullshit. I'm not going to make any money. You know, I was making twenty five thousand dollars from sponsorships, and I haven't been in the UFC that long, and now I'm making eight thousand dollars." We got to do something, and I'm sure there will be a ton of fighter contracts that will be restructured to offset that difference. Now, this is not to say that fighters do not have other options, unless it's for UFC press, UFC media events, or anything relating to the organization. You can still wear other sponsor apparel and promote other products, but for anything UFC related, obviously you will have to be wearing Reebok exclusively, as will your corners. So I'm sure fighters are going to find ways to to skirt the issue as the deal really starts to become more clear heading into July. So again, right now, the reason I also wanted to bring that up is because Joe Rogan himself, a UFC employee, went on his podcast and he stated that he is not a fan of the agreement. I'm sure Dana White did, was not happy, and neither was Reebok when they heard that. And I want to share that with you guys. He said during the podcast, he said, This is a big deal now in MMA that Reebok is the official sponsor for the UFC. Fighters can't have independent sponsors when they walk into the cage now, and financially it seems to be a huge disaster for the fighters. He went on to say, Whenever you see these guys complaining and talking about the difference in the amount of pay they're getting, that's not good. It's not good. All that stuff had to be worked out and should have been worked out in advance. It's great to have a big sponsor like Reebok involved, but not if the fighters have to suffer. Brendan Schaub, who's been a guest on, on MTR before, actually shared some stuff with regards to the fighter deal. He said that he would be getting 10 grand but every single fight that he had before this, he was getting six figures. So at least $100,000 he was making. Brendan Schaub was making hundred grand from sponsors plus his fighter pay for his fights, which is huge. He's making ten grand, but like he said, every single fight that he had before that, he was getting six figures. So at least $100,000, it could mean as much as $900,000 for every fight. Six figures for every fight, and now he's making ten grand. It's fucking huge. That's a massive hit. Even the champs get forty thousand dollars. The champions get forty thousand dollars from the UFC. I mean, from Reebok if they don't have an independent deal set up. 
the best and like Joe Rogan said, the best guys in the world, the world, the mo- the most dominant pound for pound fighters walking our planet get $40,000. Joe Rogan said that doesn't seem like enough to me. It just doesn't. He went on to add, "Look, I'm a businessman. I'd be the but I'd be the shittiest businessman in the world if I owned the UFC. The UFC would probably be filing for bankruptcy right now. I would never have gotten it to where it is. I would never have done so many smart moves like these guys have done. I'm an idiot when it comes to the business, but I don't like when I see fighters suffering financially. I don't like it at all. And with that said, I have to I have to kind of agree with what Joe Rogan was saying because think about it. You're a fighter that's making a hundred grand, and now you're making ten thousand dollars. That's that's a big fucking problem. And of course, you can renegotiate your contract, like I said. But initially, that sticker shock is gonna send a lot of shockwaves through the sport. And there's a lot of fighters. It's it, and yes, Val, forty eight forty thousand dollars are is what Reebok is paying champions. Ex- exactly, Val says. What the fuck? They can't even pay for camp. That's the big problem. Dude, last week one of the one of the guys leaked out what the what the what the fighter pay breakdown was. I shared it on air. And it's it's crazy. Like think about it. Brendan Schaub is is a is a good fighter. You know, love him or hate him. He's he's a good and talented fighter. And this guy is going from making a hundred grand to ten thousand dollars a fight. Big problem. Now, of course, the other question, you know, the other side of the coin is that fighters aren't going to be taken advantage of by by shitty sponsors. Okay, that's great. But there are legitimate sponsors out there that are paying real money to be noticed. Like I said, Demetrius Johnson, sponsored by Microsoft, you know, wears his Xbox shorts when he goes out there. Bad Boy, Affliction, you know, bigger company, well, Affliction, not so much now, but Bad Boy, RVCA. Um, you know, so many other companies are out there that are that are paying fighters good money to wear their their gear. You know, Alienware is another great example. Um, Condom Depot, Venom, uh, you know, there's so many. Um, what the hell? Are they? Future Legend Apparel. So many other uh, other companies. Echo, and now it's all going to be under the Reebok umbrella. Now. Like I said, some fighters, they're happy with the deal because it's like they don't got to worry about where they got to place the sponsor's logo. Oh, the sponsor's logo looks shitty on my shorts. What? And that's understandable, too. But the monetary compensation that is being uh, that is being, you know, thrown about thrown around is not good for the fighters. And for Joe Rogan, a UFC employee, the voice of the octagon alongside Mike Goldberg for him to come out and say, yo, this is this is not good is really really a big problem i'm sure that reebok is like yo i thought we'd be getting good press because of this and we're not getting any because that's what's happening think about it john jones has his own reebok deal separate from the champion deal that that the organization was giving him and he got himself into some shit that was bad when one of the fighters read what he what demonstrated what he was being paid and then threw all the Reebok gear in the garbage and shared it on social media, that's not good either. And like I said, and Joe Rogan, the guy who's the voice of the organization, to go on his own podcast, which is heard 
by hundreds of thousands of people, maybe even millions by the, at this point, and 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 going on record and saying that this deal isn't that good is insane. And that's a problem when guys in your own house are saying that this deal is not good for the fighters. And I'm sure there's going to be restructuring, there's going to be adjustments, but right now, right now, May 13th, 2015, fighters are not happy. They're they're not happy with what's going on. On the contrary, like I said, you know, they they're just they're just not benefiting from you know the the way a sponsorship should be. Now, of course, people have reached out and they've said, "Yeah, but you know, the UFC should have gone after Nike and tried to get Nike in on the deal." And uh, it, Nike, Reebok, Adidas, LA Gear, British Knights, you know, Asics, Saucony, whatever company you want. At the end of the day, it is a deal that was hammered out in writing. And who knows? Nike could have said, yeah, we're going to do the same type of payment structure. This was a structure that was agreed upon by the organization and by Reebok. Simple as that. So the organization is definitely going to have to step up and rearrange um, a lot of fighter contracts because otherwise people are going to run out their contracts. And yes, they may not have the same opportunities if they go to Bellator, but they're going to make some decent money and they'll still be able to have the sponsors that they choose. So there you have it. Speaking of which, while we are on the subject of Bellator, the official Bellator 138 card is a go with our main event being Ken Shamrock and Kimbo Slice. Um, Before I get into the rest of the card, I see that um, Ayaz is in the chat. Quick shout out to him. He's one of the hosts on the GFQ network. Uh, very well-regarded uh, tech enthusiast. He does a couple of shows on GFQ. Thanks for stopping in, Ayaz. I don't have any videos, so if that's what you were looking for, uh, I apologize. Uh, it's not my fault. Anyway, so Bellator's card, like I said, Kimbo Slice, Ken Shamrock is your main event. The battle of... Uh, it, it, it's a battle that on paper is just a bad idea for multiple reasons, but... Kimbo Slice is definitely doing a good job in promoting the fight, albeit, you know, making Ken Shamrock look like an asshole, which is really pissing him off, and, you know, not giving any respect to Ken Shamrock's pedigree. Make of it what you will, but I do want to see these guys fight. Don't misunderstand. It's a freak show fight. There's still a probability that it may not happen, but right now, it looks like it is a go. That is your main event, which is crazy, because the featherweight title is on the line as Patricio Pitbull will be defending his title against Daniel Wykel. Also, Bobby Lashley is going to be fighting on that card. He's going to finally get his fight in with James Thompson. Michael Chandler is going to be facing Derek Campos. And Daniel Strauss will be taking on Henry Corrales. That fight again, Bellator 138, June 19th on Spike TV. The prelims, of course, you can watch on Spike.com. All right, so... Ronda Rousey's in the news this week for a couple of reasons. The first reason, obviously, being named the most dominant fighter in the world and also capturing the Sports Illustrated cover. Um, Also, Ronda Rousey actually wrote a book, which is out right now, which I'm in the process of reading and will be posting a review of the book on RageWorks.net along with the review of JTG's book, which is delightfully insane. And hopefully we'll be able to get JTG on the show as well 
so that he can also shed some light on some of the stories in the book. But Ronda, in Ronda's case, you know, first mixed martial artist to, in quite some time, might I add, to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated, the first being Roger Huerta, who at the time was considered the UFC poster boy, but Sports Illustrated at the time was doing the feature on the organization and not really on Roger Huerta as a fighter, although he was addressed in the piece, he was not the, the main focus, like in this instance where Ronda Rousey is the main focus on the cover of Sports Illustrated. It's a big milestone for her. I think um, it's amazing for the sport of mixed martial arts, whether whether you love it, you hate it, or you're a casual fan. It's not every day that you look and you see one of the premier athletes in the sport who is also one of the most dominant in her division capturing the issue, the the cover of Sports Illustrated and not being scantily clad. So, again, very, uh, very, very big milestone for Ronda. Very cool for the sport. But an interesting thing she um, she referenced recently about her desire, her desire to pose for ESPN's body issue. Now, if you guys remember, the ESPN body issue for quite some time has been, you know, criticized but also beloved by certain people because of the athletes being depicted completely naked. Some people think it's just super hot. Other people think that it's, you know, an appreciation to the athletic form. Others just, you know, they just feel that it has no place in a magazine dedicated to sports. Um, First thing I do want to mention with regards to that is that, you know, I personally have no problem with the ESPN bodies issue. It is an appreciation of the athletic form. Um, love it or hate it, that's that's up to you guys, you know, you you the listeners and readers. But for me, it's it's really not a big deal. There's worse shit out there. It's no different than athletes posing in Maxim or Playboy or anything else. It's just under the guise of being uh, focusing on the physiques of the sports world. Now, of course, Gina Carano made waves being one of the first uh, Christiane Cyborg has been part of it, and now, of course, Ronda Rousey, Misha Tate, and the list goes on. Now, in Rousey's case, people were like, holy shit, you know, she jumped in there and she did this immediately. Well, it wasn't so much that she wanted to do it, but she was motivated to do it because a boyfriend of hers was threatening to release naked pictures of her. That's some, And that's the crazy part. She said... I did the ESPN body issue because it's more of a defensive thing. Writing the book, you know, My Fight, Your Fight, has really forced me to be introspective and figure out why I do things the way I do. It was because of that one ex, we called him Snappers McCreepy, because we caught him taking naked pictures of me. The first thing I did was take naked pictures for ESPN. If it's going to get out there, I want it to get out there on my own terms. The same thing with playing the heel. If people are going to dislike me, it's because I sought for it to be that way. So she, um, you know, she elaborated a bit further on Snappers McCreepy and the fact that this guy was just taking naked pictures of her all the time. So she went out of her way to really put the kibosh on that. And I'm and I'm going to be honest when I saw the bodies issue not too long ago and um, Prince Fielder was in it. A lot of people were very vocal about his physique and you know there were there was some body shaming which you know I talked about on air that men men have to deal with body shaming as well and at that moment at that moment I saw the body's issue as more than just 
hey, you know, there's naked athletes in there. I saw it also as a way to demonstrate to our youth and even amateur athletes that are on the come up that you don't always got to be super jacked or shredded or, you know, just carved out of granite to be considered great. Babe Ruth, one of the most legendary hitters of our time, wasn't it wasn't known for his rock hard abs and 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 you know pleasing physique. The guy was known for smashing a fucking ball out of a stadium and people going bananas. It was it's over time that people have got have got hung up about physiques in in sports. And yes, it, it, there, there's a gift and a curse. But you look at some of these guys and whether it's baseball players, basketball players, there's. There's different there's different ways that physique does impact performance, but it's not you know it's not the end of it's not the end all be all. And you know Prince Fielder's you know his willingness to put himself out there in the bodies issue. When I saw it at the time, I said you know that's a that's a that's a bold statement, and I empathized with him because listen you know I go to the gym, I lift weights, I pick things up, I put things down, but I appreciate a good meal. Those of you that follow, those of you that follow my Instagram, RageWorks underscore Rich, will know that I appreciate a good meal. That's not to say that I'm a fucking sloppy sack of shit, you know, a sloppy titted bastard. But I'm also, you know, I'm also not, you know, the most athletically, you know, the most. I'm not Mr. Universe either. You know, I'm not walking out of here looking like Brock Lesnar or John Cena. If 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 anything, it's you know, I'm walking out of here looking like Kevin Steen. And not and even that, you know, that's that's just me using it as a comparison. But at the end of the day, the body's issue, you know, the body's issue is 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 a crazy thing that's looked at for both, um, you know, good things and bad things. And in Ronda Rousey's case, I got to admit that, yo, she 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 jumped on the grenade rather than let somebody take advantage of her you know, take advantage of her body for their own nefarious purposes. I mean, listen, if you're a famous, if you're a famous lady, you know, if you're a famous athlete, male or female, um, actress, whatever the case may be, actor or actress, there's always going to be somebody that says, hey, you know, I'm going to see what happens with a, uh, you know, with, with, with some naked pictures. It happens. That's, that's part of the game. But again, it's one of those things where if you take control of the situation, you're you're better for it. And and sure, she could have just left it alone and the guy, whoever it was, could have released the naked pictures and we all would have been like, oh shit, it's Ronda Rousey naked. And it would have gone through Google and all this shit. But she took it to another level. She's like, listen, I'm going to go in the bodies issue. It's going to be great exposure for me, for the sport and everything else. Fuck, Dana White had a naked picture of her from the bodies cover on a t-shirt at a weigh-in, if you guys remember that. I just, you know, I, I, I respect I respect what she did. I think that, you know, it, it's it's a ballsy move. That could have blown up in her face and gone any which way. But she took it upon herself to, um, you know, dive on the proverbial grenade. And she she came away a better person for it. So, um, you know, I got I to gotta commend her for that. Uh, whether you love her as, as an athlete or hate her as an athlete or love her as a person or hate her as a person... I think that her contribution to the sport has been interesting, uh, primarily because it's it's put people, different people, on a radar where they realize that hey, y- you know, women women can be dominant in this sport as well, and that's one thing that not too many people talk about. 
we all talk about our aspirations. You know, when people were young, hey, I want to be like Mike or I want to be like Bo Jackson or Lawrence Taylor or Charles Barkley or whatever or, or anything. And Charles Barkley I said it best. You know, I'm I'm not a role model. And and it's true. I think when when it's you know, when I have children, I'm gonna say, Hey, you know, you can love these athletes, respect them, learn from them, you know, wanna follow their path if you want to become that type of an athlete. But at the end of the day, they're just like us, flawed. They make mistakes. And you know, I think that that more people are seeing that, but and I and I gotta I gotta I got to close with this. I do have to say that because of athletes like Ronda Rousey, Misha Tate, um, hell, even even Gina Carano to a degree, more and more girls, more and more women are feeling more inclined to embrace Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, um, mixed martial arts, Greco-Roman wrestling, whatever the case may be, and are starting to become more and more appreciative of the sport it's no longer just a boys club and the same thing has been happening over the last couple of years with professional wrestling there i know plenty of of my my wrestling fans that listen to the show that can attest to instances where women's matches were leaps and bounds better than matches put on by some of the some of the best men in the business so i think i think in ronda's case like i said you're gonna she's gonna have her detractors and there are times when i'm like all right it's getting a little too over the top but I believe her, her contributions to the sport definitely deserve merit. And um, I got to commend her for, for taking a proactive approach and jumping on the grenade. And fuck it. We all, you know, we all got to see her naked. Fuck it. But at least, you know, it was on her terms. And um, it is what it is, you know. <laughs> I like how Val says when I said what I, what I just said about wrestling. Where in TNA, NXT, Lucha Underground... Yes, yes, and yes. TNA has been surprising me as of late with matches. NXT has as well, and Lucha Underground is on a whole other level. But anyway, that's the that's that's dipping into the wrestling pool, which we're going to jump into right now. But as I said, um, be on the lookout for my review of Ronda's book, uh, My Fight, Your Fight. I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely share my thoughts on the book on RageWorks.net, and also, like I said, I'm gonna share uh, my opinion on the JTG book. And hopefully, it, you know, knock on wood, we'll be able to have JT, JTG on the show to discuss the book in a couple of weeks. No promises. I'm working on it, but we'll see what happens. Anyway, with that said, let us shift gears and jump into this week's wrestling, shall we? Booker T, you know what time it is? We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we're coming for you, nigga! My Take Radio's wrestling segment is brought to you by WWEShop.com. Yes, that WWE Shop. Pick up all your favorite WWE superstar gear, uh, t-shirts, sweatshirts, license plate frames, wallets, garden gnomes, you name it, they got it. Use our promo code WWESAVE10 to save $10 on orders of $70 or more. And if you go to RageWorks.net, please feel free to use any of the banners on the site, they will definitely help you out and give you some additional promo codes. Plus, as always, they will allow us to get a couple of bucks 
to continue to give you guys the best experience possible. All right, so before I jump into Raw and share my thoughts on that and the week's wrestling news, I got to give a shout out to to my good friend who is um, right now at the Ring of Honor show, uh, the second the second day of War of the Worlds, and he sent me a picture. I asked him to do me a favor and send me a picture of Jushin Thunder Liger if he gets a good picture, just because I know that I will probably never have an opportunity to see him wrestle live. And because I know that his his wrestling career is slowly winding down, and I just looked at my screen, and there is a perfect photo of Jushin Thunder Liger. It is fucking amazing. I'm bummed I couldn't be there to see it, but it's, uh, it's, it's a very, very cool thing. So um, I, I'm sure he's going to catch this on the flip side. So thank you for the very, very cool picture. That is probably going to be the wallpaper on my phone for the next couple of days. All right, so let's talk about Monday Night Raw this week. So Monday Night Raw, as I said at the start of the show, I'm not going to go and do the whole match-by-match recap. It's fucking Wednesday. You guys know by at this point what happens. Hell, most of you guys know what happens on SmackDown tomorrow. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of break down the things that I found right with the show, the things that were completely wrong, some of the awesome moments, and maybe the occasional what-the-fuck moments. So I want to talk about some of the high points. Uh, The first high point I want to discuss is Daniel Bryan relinquishing the Intercontinental title. And here's why I I want to acknowledge that being the right thing to do. First off, Daniel Bryan, I feel, has been performing injured this entire time. WrestleMania and everything else, he has been injured. But because he loves this business, he is passionate about this business, he's continued to perform, and it has hurt him greatly. To the point where his MRIs and and you know medical professionals have determined that he should not continue to wrestle for the foreseeable future until he heals up completely. Now again, this isn't a, a Daniel Bryan's retiring at this moment, or Daniel Bryan's um, never going to wrestle again. This is a I came back too quick and it fucked me up scenario. This has happened to countless superstars over the last couple of years that have been at the top of their game, at the top of the food chain in the professional wrestling industry, and because of injuries and just the necessity to be back as quick as possible, it has impacted them worse in the long run. And Val makes some great um, observations in the chat. Shawn Michaels' edge is a, is an amazing example. Kurt Angle, to a degree, um, you know, Kurt Angle took that experimental surgery, and yes, he's been lucky thus far, but he was never the same wrestler as as he was way back in the beginning. And these are the kind of things that that I've talked about have been a big problem in professional wrestling, and that is the fact that there is not. I'm not saying that there should be an off season. But there should be, you know, a, a, a season, you know, where, where wrestlers are rested for a couple of weeks. Um, you know, there's a rest break, especially now with the WWE Network and NXT and all this stuff. You can you can fill the void left by certain wrestlers being rested. And I think that a guy like Daniel Bryan, guys like John Cena, um, The Big Show, Kane, more of these veteran talents need to be rested on a consistent basis because... You're, you're risking their livelihoods as well as the success of the company 
on these guys coming back too quickly. So I do feel that Daniel Bryan relinquishing the title was the right thing for a couple of reasons. Number one, it allows him to take time to recuperate correctly. I'm sure that WWE is supporting him in this endeavor and he and they are going to want him back at 100%. And I'm sure that this time doctors have been told, hey, you know, make sure he's 100% when he comes back. Because I have a nagging suspicion that he may have been 75% right when he came back and, you know, a couple of doctors, you know, legitimate doctors were like, you know, you should wait until you're 100% before you go back. And then I'm sure that there were a fair share of other doctors that are more, you know, wrestler friendly that were probably like, eh, you know, you're going to, you're going to, you, you can go back, but you're going to definitely need to take, you know, you're going to definitely need to take some time off to heal correctly. So, you know, it's one of those things where you really got to weigh out those options. Slick says, you know, he's on tough enough. He's making his money for when Brie Bella gets pregnant. And yeah, but you got to remember tough enough, all these things. When you're addicted to wrestling, you know, when you're addicted to professional wrestling and, and numerous veterans have talked about this, you know, you're a, you're a, you're a, just a, a special you're, you know, you're, you're a special type of athlete. These guys, they just, they don't know when to hang it up. They'll go in there with their, you know, they'll be backstage. And I've seen this in documentaries. You see these guys backstage, five bags of ice, you know, barely able to walk. And then as soon as that music hits and that adrenaline kicks in, these guys, they come out there and they're ready to rock and roll. And I think that's one of the big parts of so many, so many of these wrestlers just, just really not respecting, you know, res- you know, respecting his, um, you know, respecting their bodies. And again, we all we all have done dumb shit. I've gone out there sometimes, and you know, again, not comparing, you know, any injuries I've had or any ailments that I've had with that of professional wrestling. But there are times when it's like, yeah, you shouldn't be walking. And Slick can attest to this. Out, you know, due to the excess bone in my ankle, if I'm on on my feet for more than eight hours, ten hours. The next day, I'm a fucking cripple, and if we got to do a con or we got to do something else, it doesn't mean shit. I don't, you know, I'll pop for you know for a leave and and a jug of water, and I'll tough it out. You know, that's how it is. We 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 go out there and we do this stuff because we love our craft, we believe in our craft, and if we don't go out there and give it 110, percent no one else is going to do that. So I I understand. I understand when doctors say, you know, you really should take a couple of weeks off. And, you know, rest, rest, rest up a bit and not try to do anything strenuous. And then you're going to go out there and you say, hey, you know, I could go to the gym and do cardio or you could just be like, hey, you know, I'm going to go take a couple of swings at the batting cage or whatever the case may be. And then before you know it, you're more fucked up than you started. So I definitely can understand. But the other the other high point of Daniel Bryan relinquishing the IC title is that it puts that belt back in the spotlight there's a ton of guys in the mid card that are amazing athletes that could really be uh, great flag bearers for the Intercontinental Title. Uh, King Barrett, to name one. Sheamus, to name another. Love him or hate him. Dolph Ziggler, Adrian Neville, Dean Ambrose, um, Sami Zayn. If they wanted to call him up, there's so many guys in that mid card roster that, for me personally. I think Daniel Bryan relinquishing it was the right thing to do, and I think the division will be better for it. Not to say that John Cena's open challenges aren't great, but let's not kid ourselves. We know that the bulk of the time, John Cena's going to win those anyway versus 
on the IC title side of things, there's a you know there's a who's who that can hold the belt for a little bit, and another guy can jump in and take the slot. That's one thing I do gotta say. Um, you know the crowd was incredibly supportive, and and you know that's something that again as wrestling fans we don't want to see our our heroes injured. We don't want to see our heroes suffer. We don't want to see their live their livelihoods cut short. And, and some of us are very, very aware of that. I mean, you know, there's there's many of us that are that we'd love to see Daniel Bryan out there having Iron Man matches and, you know, delivering amazing matches like he did on the independent circuit. But I'll be honest, and I've said this before, I would rather sacrifice six months or a year of him not giving us great matches to have him perform for five years or ten years. And and those are the things you gotta really look at as a fan. I mean, those of us that are hardcore wrestling fans, and you know who you are, you know that for for that person not being on television, another person's gonna come along and take advantage of that opportunity. And who knows, they may become your new fan favorite as well. The other thing I wanted to address, and in my opinion, this was this was a the, a right thing is the reunification of Harper and Rowan. Luke Harper has benefited quite a bit from being a singles competitor, but let's be honest, he has be he has been treading water quite a bit as well. I do feel that in that regard there there really hasn't been a tremendous upside to Luke Harper as a solo wrestler. The same can be said for Eric Rowan, who we all know just was was fucking tossed in the garbage at this point and really hasn't been as successful as we all had hoped. I think that reuniting them and really giving them a great run at the tag team division is going to lead to some better matches for both men. I think that Harper and Rowan in the ring with guys like the Ascension would be good for both guys. I think, you know, for, for all four participants, I do got to say that. The other, the other right thing that I felt happened during this broadcast was Macho Mandau and Axelmania and the inevitable uh, mega powers of the new generation forming before our very eyes. Of course, um, a lot of jokes can be made about that, but I, I do have to say that if Damian Sandow is truly going to run with this and so is Curtis Axel that I think putting them together is is something that is going to yield an amazing, amazing result. And the reason I say this is because Curtis Axel is not a shitty wrestler, not by a long shot. When he's helping guys like Brock Lesnar, The Rock, and countless other veterans prepare for their matches, that is a testament to what type of a, uh, to what caliber athlete and wrestler he is. I think that's definitely something that should not be ignored. Damian Sandow is another guy who is a a great wrestler, a tremendous wrestler, and he's very, very good on the mic. Again, just a guy who's in flux. But I think that going this route, even if it's as a comedy tag team, will yield a better result for both of them than anything that they've done solo for the last year, period, you know? I think I think that and and you know I'm I'm using Paul Heyman booking. Axel's weakness is not his wrestling. It is his personality and mic work. Enter Damian Sandow, whose strength is his personality and mic work. 
and his wrestling is good as well. But I think that that's how it works. It's the same thing like Tyson Kidd and Cesaro. When you look at Tyson Kidd and Cesaro, Tyson Kidd is very, very solid on the mic. Cesaro, depending on who you ask, is deemed not as good. But technically, both guys are proficient in the ring. So for before anybody dismisses Macho Mandow and Axelmania, I'm willing to give them a shot because the tag team division needs fucking help. Needs help. The Usos are injured. You got the Ascension, the Lucha Dragons, the Matatodes. Um, you got the primetime players who have been doing some incredible video vignettes they, uh, the stuff that was done by the primetime players, and that's another good this week, was just tremendous. When when um, when when Darren Young was about to say that he's an ass man, and and you know um, Titus O'Neil was like, "Yo, stop, stop, stop," and he stopped him. There's a, it, it felt it felt so funny, and it felt good because you know that it's it's a wink and a nod at the camera. And obviously, there's a question, is creative writing this? Are these guys going out there and cutting the promos on their own? And again, you know, it's it's one of those things that I feel is a high point because you really do see personality from both of those guys. Darren Young is another guy. He's solid in the ring. His personality, not that good. Titus O'Neil looks the part, but his mic work is what makes him stand out because he's funny. Now, the thing is, again, primetime players, The Ascension, The Matitodes, The Lucha Dragons, Cesaro and Kid, The New Day. You got six teams. You got six teams. But we only have seen on television, honestly, that are legitimately being used, three of them. Three. Kid and Cesaro, The New Day, and The Lucha Dragons being used consistently. In a division that has at least 12 teams, at least 12, at least, and this is what I'm saying, I think that one of the high points on Raw is the fact that we're starting to see the tag teams begin to take a renewed focus. Kid and Cesaro, like I said, The New Day, The Ascension, Macho Mandow and Axelmania, you're, you're starting to see that those those pieces come together, but again... Every couple of months, this happens. The tag team division starts to get good, and then it just takes a huge, massive dump. Just saying. But again, these were some of the, the right points that are from Raw that I wanted to address. Another high point, Adrian Neville and John Cena's open challenge. Number one, if anybody has any doubts that John Cena doesn't put people over, you're fucking stupid because every John Cena open challenge has been a closely contested match between him and most of his opponents. All, ev- almost every one of them have been close. Not only that, but each one has always come out looking better for it. Adrian Neville is going to be a WWE champion within the next three years. I'm telling you. Number one, his look. Number two, his ring work. Number three, his finisher. His mic work is solid too, but those three facts, those three facts alone, and the fact that people can connect with him because, you know, yeah, he's a jack dude, but he's a realistically jack looking dude. You know, he's a, he has the body of a gymnast. He went out there with John Cena and they delivered an incredible match. Plus, props to Creative for not letting Cena get the clean pin due to Rusev's interference. It keeps Neville strong. 
it it allows people to think, well, you know, maybe Neville had a has a shot at beating Cena. Plus, obviously, it furthers the Rusev and Cena feud. Again, another notch in the right column for Raw this week. And I'm telling you, Adrian Neville, within the next three years, will be WWE champion. You can bank on that. All right, so for every right thing, there are a couple of wrong things that need to be addressed. First off, Tamina and Brie Bella's match, um, excuse me, Brie Bella and Naomi's match, was abysmal. Uh, excuse me, not Brie, uh, Brie Bella. It was Brie Bella and Tamina. Naomi was at ringside. The reason I say this is because I like Tamina. She has an incredible look. She has incredible presence. But her ring work needs work. And again, the Bellas are not ring generals. They're not going to carry you to great matches. And I've talked about this. The Bellas, they have improved, but they only can look as good as the person that's in the ring with them. And this match was a disaster. And the reason it was a disaster is because um, she, Tamina, Tamina was moving robotic as fuck. It almost felt like she was, she was moving like Ryback does. When, like, when Ryback has become more fluid over the last couple of months but you guys remember when Ryback debuted, it was like a fucking robot out there. Tamina's in the same in the same camp. You know, she's a she's a big woman. She's she comes from an amazing dynasty, but she's just they're not harnessing her strengths correctly. And I'm sorry, nobody can say, oh well, you know, it's because Tamina's big that she moves that way. Because Awesome Kong can wrestle and she moves fluidly for a bigger woman. Awesome Kong, Tamina. That's how it goes on, on, on the scale. Tamina being on the bottom. Awesome Kong being on the top. Now Val says, shouldn't Tamina be ashamed considering? And, and you know what the thing is? It's not, it's not a matter of, of Tamina being ashamed. It's a fact that, again, Paul Heyman booking, not harnessing her strengths. Tamina's strengths are the power game. A pretty solid superfly splash. And again, an amazing presence. Because when you look at Tamina, again, not even thinking of her as a wrestler, but strictly looking at her, you say to yourself, damn, I think that chick might fuck me up. No jokes, but I mean legitimately. You look at Tamina and you say to yourself, yo, this chick is a problem. And then you watch her wrestle and you go, what the fuck happened? And that's what it is. It's it's the fact that they're not leveraging her abilities creatively. And again, the same could have been said for the Bellas. And again, the Bellas are not great. Do not misunderstand. The Bellas have improved from marginally shitty to less shitty. They're not great in there either. But put in there with the right wrestlers, the Bellas deliver decent matches. This match... With Tamina and Brie Bella, not the move. Definitely not. You know, on top of the fact that, you know, Tamina came back. They really didn't do anything to elaborate on on her relationship with Naomi. Aside from the fact that they're related because Naomi's married to one of the Usos. Great. But they didn't establish anything deeper, any deeper bond, any deeper connection. And that's a problem, too. I think that there's lack of development. And, you know, there's lack of, there's definitely lack of, of just giving Tamina 
an opportunity to shine on a better level. That's all I'm saying. I think that that's severely, severely lacking. And, you know, Val writes, Tamina's a mercenary. Whoever stamps her checkbook, her, her checkbook, and Tamina equals female APA. Okay, that's great. But even the APA could go out there and have decent matches. And that's the issue that I want to put out there. It's like, yeah, she's great as, as the female APA, but at least go out there and believably look like you're fucking somebody up. Don't let it fall on your opponent to make you look good when your opponents aren't that great in the ring either. You know, like Slick just said, the APA could legit fuck people up and look good doing it. And that's part of the problem. Not only can you do you need to look the part, but you have to look good doing it. And Tamina, it's just very sloppy. And again, you can you can place some of the blame on Brie Bella, but you're not placing a lot of it. That's for shit sure. That's definitely one of one of the wrongs, in my opinion, for this week. The other one that I wanted to talk about that was definitely a wrong was pretty much the the match between Randy, not Randy Orton, um, Roman Reigns and Kane. And the reason I want to put that in the wrong category is because we've seen that match a dozen times. And every time you do it, it has the same look, which is Kane utilizing the power game, Roman Reigns playing the face in peril, then all of a sudden he, you know, he pops back up and Roman Reigns with the victory. It just it just does not work as well as it should. Simple as that. Just it just doesn't. The other wrong in my opinion was J&J being put in a match with Dean Ambrose. While I understand you were in Cincinnati, it's the home of Dean Ambrose. J&J security for as good as Noble and Mercury are as wrestlers, I'm just tired of them being thrown out there as cannon fodder for nothing. You know, it's 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 ridiculous. I understand that you're trying to get them out there and you're trying to get them involved in matches, but they really just serve no purpose. Like I said last week, J&J security do more harm than good for Rollins as champion. Simple as that. It was a great outing by Dean Ambrose, don't misunderstand, but I don't feel that we were, were getting the best possible matches with those two guys in the ring. Like Slick just said, their purpose is to get destroyed. You know, but the problem with that is that they're being overused for the purpose of being destroyed. Like, it almost feels like every Monday, it's a guarantee that somebody's truly fucking those guys up. And while it is funny, it is definitely not great. So I definitely got to drop that in the wrong category. Definitely got to put that there. Um, Dolph Ziggler and King Barrett also in the wrong category. And you're probably saying to yourselves, Rich, why do you want, why do you, what was wrong with that match? The problem I had with that match is that Dolph Ziggler continues to just get bitched out for the for the sake of making King Barrett and Sheamus look good. And the reason I'm bothered by this is because Sheamus came back to be the top dog, and all he's been doing the last three weeks is playing fucking King Barrett's lackey. Aren't you the guy that came back and is talking about the little guys and wanting to be the top dog? Isn't part of that not wanting to play second banana to a guy who thinks he's king? Again, storytelling, people. Storytelling. You got this big-ass Irish bruiser who's taking, who's taking you know, orders from a guy who's not even a real king, you know? Like, like I just feel that 
I understand why they're doing it. You know, the whole enemy of my enemy is my friend type booking. But the problem I feel with that is that Dolph Ziggler, and again, in the battle of wins and losses, and I've said this before, every loss is very, very important. Especially for guys like Dolph Ziggler, who are so beloved by the fans. If you keep making him lose in all these matches, it's an expectation. You are expecting him to lose when he goes out there. I hate to say it, but it's true. So that, definitely a wrong this week. Slick adds that it could work if if Sheamus turns on Barrett out of nowhere. It's true, it would, but the problem is that you brought Sheamus back to be like this force, this unstoppable force, you know, and he went from being that to being, you know, Barrett's cleanup, which is weird, and I just don't feel that that's that's what's, you know, best for either of those guys. Wade Barrett should be leveraging the fact that he's king to be a champion. And this goes back to what I said during last week's show. Winning King of the Ring doesn't really mean shit. I'm sorry to say it. Yeah, you get the fancy crown, the scepter, and you get King in front of your name. But it means nothing. Like I said last week, add a stipulation. You win King of the Ring, you can challenge for a title of your choice. Something. Make it mean something. Don't make it be meaningless. You know, make it mean something. And it's true, uh, Val mentions Booker T. But you know what the thing was? Booker T becoming king or, you know, embracing the King Booker gimmick, Booker T needed that because Booker T didn't have shit going on. Everybody felt that he was coming coming around, you know, he came to WWE to play a bootleg rock like he did in WCW, and King Booker actually worked for his character. I think that was probably one of the best things that worked for Booker T at the time. The King Booker gimmick really, really set him apart because he truly embraced it, and it was fucking hilarious. But like I said, you know, the the the, the moniker of King of the Ring, while it's, while it's great, it really accomplishes nothing. You know what else doesn't accomplish anything? You know, the, 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 uh, the, other, per- the other thing that doesn't accomplish anything is get ready for this. And you guys, you guys are going to be like, okay, the Andre the Giant Battle Royal winner. Yes, you get a great big trophy. That's great. But again, you won it. Now what? What have you gained from it? Jack and shit. Think about it. Cesaro won. Cesaro got jobbed the fuck out for the foreseeable future after winning that trophy. It's like an albatross. It's an anvil. It's an anchor. The Big Show, yay, he won the trophy. Great. The Big Show won the trophy. Again, what did he gain from it? Jack and shit. Simple as that, you know? And that's and that's and that my friends is is my issue with that match. Anyway, the other wrong, Fandango and Eric Rowan. Again, the uni- the reunification of Harper and Rowan, great. Fandango's quasi-face turn, not so great. Why? Because he's getting his ass kicked every week. Like Val just said, Fandango still has a job. Exactly. If you're trying to do something with this guy, having him squashed every week is not doing him any fucking favors. I'm sorry, but no. Simple as that. So, the last thing I want to talk about, and this is this is armchair booking at its best. Again, armchair booking at its best. 
Randy Orton faced Seth Rollins. We all know that it ended with Dean Ambrose having having the you know delivering dirty deeds and standing tall to close out Raw. Now, this this goes in my awesome category for a couple of reasons. And some people have talked about it and some people have met, have referenced it, but I'm going to put it out there. And again, armchair booking, but stay stay you know, stay with me with this. All right. We're going to fast forward to Payback on Sunday. And the bell rings and you know, all three guys, all four guys are out there. And they're all, you know, Randy Orton's wrestling each of them. Then all of a sudden, the match is going on for 10, maybe 15 minutes. And they all look at each other, meaning Rollins, Reigns, and Ambrose. And they all proceed to whoop Randy Orton's ass, shield style. And then, after the said ass whooping, they all look at each other. And Seth Rollins pins Randy Orton with zero involvement from Ambrose and Reigns. Fast forward to the Raw after payback. Reigns, Rollins, and Ambrose come out, and Rollins cuts a promo that he felt that he had to rely on the guys he trusted most to destroy the authority from within. And thus, the shield returns. And what they would do is you would have them defend the belts against each other every week. Meaning, Rollins comes out Monday and he goes, you know what, I've been champion enough. Roman, we're going to have a match tonight for the belt. Reigns wins the belt because Rollins goes, lays down, and Roman pins him, and then Roman Reigns is champion for that month. Eh, you know, I've been champion for a while. Dean, we're going to have a match. Dean Ambrose pins Roman Reigns. Dean Ambrose has the belt. It would be like the Freebird rule, but with the fucking shield. Imagine that. Imagine. Imagine if Ambrose, Rollins, and Reigns go out there, beat Randy Orton's ass, reunite the shield, and then on Monday night, Rollins comes out and he goes, I told you I was the architect. Snarf, snarf, snarf. <laughs> Imagine that shit. And nobody's thinking about it because let's think about this. Imagine if Kane was in on it, he puts Ambrose in the match because the plan was to reform the Shield. Think about it. Why the fuck is Dean Ambrose, who's been getting jobbed out left and right, all of a sudden in a match with the other two guys that he ran with? Think about that. And that's what got me thinking. Think about it. Ambrose, Reigns, Rollins in a match with one guy who they who they've all had issues with. Again, think about this. Why would Dean Ambrose be in a match out of nowhere? Why? That's all I'm saying. What if? Again, it's armchair booking on my part, but what if it's not? What if what I just said happens? That's all I'm saying. What if? What if they go out there, whoop Randy Orton's ass, and then they stick it to the authority? And Rollins goes, you know, we put our heads together. We agreed that I would be a good champion to start and that these guys would get an opportunity that you wouldn't give them. Oh, imagine that shit. Imagine that promo. Just Rollins coming out there snarfing it up. Yeah, you know, I got you, Triple H. (laughs) Come on, it'd be tremendous. 
It would be tremendous. Again, I could be wrong. I could be 1,000% wrong. But again, what if I'm not? Think about it. Why would Dean Ambrose need to be in this match? Why? Why? That's all I'm saying. What if this is a fucking swerve between the Shield and Kane to take power from the authority? What if? What if Kane did it as a power move to get all the belts on all three members of the Shield and he becomes the, 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 the GM of Raw and it's approved by the board of directors and Vince? What if? What if that's where this is going? Again, I could be wrong. But, but the big question, the giant question, why would you put Dean Ambrose in a match after he's been bitched out for the last three months? Someone, anyone, Bueller? The only guy that he beat recently was Luke Harper. Who else has Dean Ambrose beaten? Who? I want to know. Yeah, he beat Seth Rollins. What if that was the plan? What if beating Seth Rollins was the plan the whole fucking time? Again, what if? Because I thought about it. I said, you know, it's cool that Dean Ambrose is in there. And then I said, wait a minute. All three members of the Shield are in one match with one Randy Orton. One of these things is not like the other. (laughs) Think about it. Randy Orton is the only guy in there that doesn't fucking belong. Who's to stop them from setting aside their differences and quotes, of course, and beating Randy Orton's ass like he stole something. Who? Who? That's what I want to know. Who is going to stop that? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Anyway, Slick wants to share his thoughts. I'm going to bring him in so he can do that, and we're going to address the wrestling news of the week. Slick, what's up? While you were saying that, something else has occurred to me. Shoot. You kept saying, who's going to do that? Who's going to stop that? It ain't going to be Kane because what if Kane's in on it too? That's what I just said. My, my line cut out. Ah, yeah. That's, I missed some of the things you said. No, that's, that, I said it. I'm like, what if Kane has been in on it to take to take power, take control of Raw and the Shield have been on in on it the entire time? What if this booking has been going on since they broke up? Just, again... This is giving WWE a shitload of credit, but what if it isn't? You know? The only downside I see is that whenever you um you get fed up with with WWE, you have these fantastic ideas and they unfortunately wind up being so far from what of course. creative actually does. Of course. But again, just 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 again, indulge me for a second. Why would Dean Ambrose all of a sudden deserve to be in this match? You could put anybody. I mean, not saying not saying talent wise, talent wise he Absolutely. Have been champion already. But Absolutely. In terms of how you know how the booking has, has progressed. Written him, he doesn't deserve to be in the match at all. He doesn't deserve a champ a, a you know, a championship title shot. Anything higher than Intercontinental. Exactly. You see what I'm saying? Like, I thought of it because the light bulb went off as soon as he won the match. I'm like, really? He won the match? Like, that was the first thing. I'm like, he won the match? Because, again, you expect Dean Ambrose to not <laughs> win the match. Hey, look, Dean Ambrose is wrestling Seth Rollins. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to lose. <laughs> That's what's happening. 
Seth Rollins isn't going to lose to Dean Ambrose. It's not happening. Fuck, he couldn't even lose to him in that cage match they had. True. Again, think about and it. And what do you call it? Go ahead. Seth Rollins, I mean, last year, he was the, the gigantic troll because he trolled the Shield Brothers. Mm-hmm. Again. But this year, he trolled the authority. Triple H and Stephanie. Yep. Think about it. The guy, the guy's name, the the guy's moniker says it all. The architect. Who's who's to say that he didn't he didn't orchestrate this entire turn of events? And people, are, you know, I, I ran this by some people, and they were like, "Yeah, but you know, after all the fights that they've had, so what? How many fights did the NWO not have amongst themselves and want and they'd put each other over, right? True. Who's to who's to I mean, say that that, because- that 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 could not happen. I would love to see the Shield. I mean, just because they're not quite as serious anymore because of Seth Rollins. Right. I would love to see if the Shield got together. You know, they come in the ring, they call for a match, and they pull like a a DX when 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 they copied the Nation and just like fake their moves and then just lay on the crowd and get pissed. Well, yeah, that would be fantastic. Well, that's what I was saying before. Each one of those guys, they'd come out like Roman Reigns, you know, Ambrose and Rollins, and they they all come out. And Rollins like, you know what? Tonight we're having a title match. What do you think, Kane? And he's like, I don't know. Sure. Who's your opponent? Roman Reigns. And they go ring the bell. They go. They have a little match. All of a sudden, you know, Roman Reigns just goes and he he pushes, he pokes, you know, Seth Rollins finger poke a doom. And Reigns is automatically champion. No, not not even a finger poke. He just goes, ooh, and fucking Seth Rollins falls out. That would be funny, too, because that would be some comedic <laughs> kind of shit that they would do. But that's what I'm saying. And then, you know, hey, Dean, you want to be champion this week? Yeah, sounds like a good idea. You know, just, and, and just that, and, and I'm telling you, and, I, and they, and they got to do it every week to the point where they just piss off not just the, 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 the authority, but the locker room. Like, you guys have made a joke of this belt. You know, guys are fighting left and right for this belt. And that's when, you know, shit starts to get serious. And it's like, all right, then you got to beat each of us. And then you get your title shot, you know? You have freaking Dean Ambrose versus Seth Rollins one week. And since, you know, supposedly the curb stomp is no more, he sets him up for a curb stomp and then he misses and acts like he's, like, trying to stomp a roach or something. Yep. And then he just and then and then Ambrose just rolls him up and wins the belt, dude. The crowd would lose their fucking minds, and you know I mean, Johnson. You already, in my in my opinion, you already got the New Day trolling the crowd with right. the tag team belt. Right, but but think about so why this. Why not? Yeah, think about this, John Cena. Hey, I'm putting out my open challenge. The John Cena open challenge is in full effect, and Roman Reigns just comes through the crowd. Why you gotta make him out to be John Travolta in Greece? Hey, because sometimes he cuts promos and that's what he fucking sounds like. You can't see me. Exactly how he sounds. Like, hey, I'm walking over here. It's terrible. But seriously, that's that's what needs to be happening. And people are like, yeah, Rich, but you're thinking way too far ahead. And I'm like, why is Dean Ambrose in this match? <laughs> That's all it would, I. Can... <laughs> it, it would bring some much needed life back to Raw if they just had like a couple, even a couple of weeks of just yep bullshit matches where they just are passing around the title like a blunt. Yep, 
That's it, like the Freebirds. Because you think about it, since you know, since you know, we lost people like like Daniel Bryan. Raw's been really boring the past couple of months. Well, yeah, from an entertainment from an entertainment perspective, yes, but from a wrestling perspective, we've we've received better matches, but we're lacking in the creative story department. And that again, that's that's one of those things that it comes and goes. But you know, like yeah, like, absolutely, the wrestling has been. I would say the wrestling's actually been better than it was around this time last year. Well, think about but, it. All and, the you know the pay per views have been great. Well, think but, about but this. The pay per views have been the only. No, no, I was going to say is just think about all the high points on a three-hour Raw I just mentioned. Quite a few. That's the thing. Raw did have plenty of high points. I mean, even though you, you shit on it, I I mean, I kind of dug the, 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 the um, Divas match, even though they're still timing it, and it ends pretty much at the five-minute mark every week. Right. But... I kind of liked it just because what um, what Naomi said was right. It, it's basically, you know, the the Bellas have been pulling their twin magic bullshit again, even though they're quasi faces now. They they've been, you know, essentially kind of cheating. Well, that's the and thing. Go ahead. When when Tamina came out, I was like I, I wrote it on Facebook. I was like, Brie Bella's about to die in like three seconds. Well, that's the thing. And she got fucked up. Well, you know what it is, and I understand that, but my problem with that, aside from Tamina's subpar work, ring work, is the fact that you still manipulated the story in a way where the Bellas are still getting cheered. And that's not fair to Naomi, who, again, has been busting her ass. Like, it's not, I mean, you know, they're making that, they're making that part of the story, and that's great, but think about it. By keeping the Bellas heel the last couple of months, you kept the belt on them out of necessity because you wanted them to see their comeuppance. You know, you wanted to see them get beaten because they were the heels. That was the plan. And then all of a sudden, out of, again, out of nowhere, oh, well, Naomi's going to turn heel and bring in Tamina and the Bellas are still going to be the center of the division. You see the problem that I have with that? Absolutely, but I mean... Let's let's face an unfortunate point with the Bellas. Right. As long as as long as when you hear that horrible you can look but you can't touch fucking Nikki Bella comes out and shakes her ass, they're gonna get cheered. I understand that, but in terms of just and and I'm not even talking about the cheer portion. I am talking about just the way that the booking has automatically shifted to where Black is bad. Not not that that's really it, but it is. You get what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. It's like it's like Naomi. Naomi was being cheered. She was being revered for her incredible athleticism, her move set. She was into the crowd. All the work she did with the Usos, good, bad, or otherwise, etc., etc., etc. And all of that work to culminate in a heel turn is just it's an insult to my intelligence. Like, yo, why can't the chick just win the belt? Why can't she just win it? Like, yo, beat the Bellas. Good triumphs over evil. Now the De- the Bellas got to, you know, have their evil machinations to try and get the belt back. And ha- Naomi needs help. Enter the returning Tamina, who's never been fucking cheered. Because Tamina's always been a heel, practically. See the problem? There you go. It's like 
yo, you have a Divas division full of heels, essentially. Rosa usually works as a heel. Prissy Hen, Summer Rae, heel. The Bellas were heels. Natalia, when she was... Even Natalia's kind of a heel now. Yep. Nata- well, no, not even that. When the, when Kid and Cesaro were feuding with the Usos and she was feuding with Naomi, she was a heel. Where the fuck are the faces in this equation? Oh, yeah, that's right. The Bellas. What? <laughs> like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> where, where did that come from? Answer. Answer. Twin magic. Yep. Answer. Sadly, Vince. That is the answer. Answer. Vince. It's like, yo, you got an entire roster of divas, but yet you can't let the chick who you've been grooming to win the belt win the belt. Why? And again, the easy answer, black. But I'm trying to give the benefit of the doubt that that's not the case. But, you know, let's, let's look at the real elephant in the room here. And it's the fact that you have an entire roster of divas, both in Raw and on NXT. And the fact is that your television time consists of a of a of a max capacity of four. Yeah. And <laughs> like, really to, for what you were saying, it wasn't even one. You really were grooming three people to to potentially be the right, camp. Right. One said fuck you and retired. Yes. One got hurt and you know well, no. I hate to say it, but you're right. The other one the other one's black, so No, well no well for you. Well here's the kicker. Paige was pulled off TV to do a movie. Not even because she's hurt, dude. Movie. <laughs> see the problem? <laughs> I see the problem. There, th- that's what it was, man. Just lack of, of priority. I'm like, yo, AJ, you went through all this trouble to build AJ and Paige and Naomi to, 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 to try and dethrone the Bellas and, and, you know, climb up to and get the brass ring. But you're going to go do a movie? It's no different than when Dean Ambrose was red hot and they wrote him off so he could go do the movie. And everybody's like, you're joking, right? And they're like, nah, he's going to go do this movie right now. What? (laughs) Straight to video shit? When he could be out there getting cheered by 60,000 people? Really? For a movie that you're going to buy in the Walmart bargain bin in the two for five section on Black Friday? Really? Ten years from now? Ten years from now? Fuck that. Ten weeks from now. No, I mean that's when you'll actually buy it. Not that it'll, oh. it'll be in a bargain bin. Oh, shit, it'll be in a buying bin in a bargain bin in ten weeks, dude. Tomorrow. That's it. Fuck it. Tomorrow. Buy buy this buy this bottle of Mountain Dew. Get this wrestling DVD for free. Damn. Like, like but this is what I'm saying, man. Like, like some of this booking, you just look at it and you gotta just. That's why I'm glad I didn't do a match by match recap, and I just cited what I thought was right, what was wrong, and what was really awesome. And like I said, Ambrose standing tall in front of the home crowd was good. Ambrose all of a sudden being in this match smells like something bigger than it should be. And I, and I hope I'm right. I hope that this has been long-term booking and that we all got played. I hope you're right, too, because it, be, it would be really, really great. Yeah, dude, I'd take unfortunately, it. Unfortunately, history has shown that... That my, radio, <laughs> that my ass is wrong. That my ass is wrong. Here's some great I fucking deals. And it seems like somebody on Raw is listening to it <laughs> and saying, fuck you. We're not going to do it just because Rick wants it. That's it. No, but 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 that's the thing, man. It's like, 
you know, and, and again, the biggest argument that anybody has is that there, you know, is exactly what you just said. And that's not saying that you're that you're that you're in the wrong in any means. I'm just saying that the my, the majority is going to say, yeah, but they're not going to do that. And like I said, the biggest question mark is Dean Ambrose's involvement. Like it just it just really just got my gears going when I'm like, wait a minute. Dean Ambrose has been bitched out for months. For months. <laughs> I mean, legitimately bitched out. The motherfucker got powerbombed through a ladder. He didn't even get to do the match at WrestleMania. Didn't even get to do it. Exactly. And, then, and then when he finally had his little feud with with Harper, he won, and it meant jack and shit because nothing came of it. And then it's like, oh yeah, he's gonna start competing for the for the for the U.S. title. And then you know he had that really good match with John Cena. And then what? Like that's the thing. What was he do? What was he gonna do? He they weren't grooming. They weren't prepping him for any feuds, were they? No. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, Dean Ambrose is gonna have this match with Seth Rollins because you know they hate each other. And yeah, he's gonna win and go in this match. Why? Didn't Kane fucking hate Dean Ambrose? <laughs> like, you see what I'm saying? Like, yo, did you do you hate Seth Rollins that much that you're willing to put him in a match with Dean Ambrose, who you also fucking hated? Come on. Again, uh, dude, I, I, I know I'll probably be wrong, but man, oh man, if I am not, and, and Randy Orton catches the beating he so richly deserves... The crowd is going to lose their fucking marbles. Dude, the way I would do it, and it would just like, it would make the crowd go even more insane, would be to have like Randy Orton, Rocky, like getting to his feet, the other three at each of the other corners, and they fucking do his, you know, Hearing voices going insane, dropping to the floor shit all at the same time, and just beat the shit out of him. There you go. Well, here's the other thing, too, that I... Like, that I, they, they take turns out of nowhere giving him RKO's. Well, here's the other thing I wanted... Well, you know what the thing is, fucking... Roman Reigns is so stiff, he may botch that and fuck himself up in the process. <laughs> but, um... The other thing I... Or rip Randy Orton's head off. There you go. The other thing I wanted to mention, too, is the announcement of the Elimination Chamber, which I didn't mention as a right or a wrong or anything, because, again, four guys are in this match. Four. Elimination Chamber usually has five pods. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> again. I wanted... That was the original reason I had called in, was because it looks like, and I hope that it is, a continuing trend that aside from, you know, the monthly pay-per-view, the, the network throws in just like either a few matches or just even one crazy match every month that, you know, you've got to have the network to see. Yep. Something that doesn't come on Raw, something that doesn't come on SmackDown. And it's, it's just like, it doesn't, it's not part of the pay-per-view either. Dude. They, you know, it's, Kind of was bullshit, but, you know, at least it was something the King of the Ring. Yeah. And now they have any Elimination Chamber this month. Well, here's here's one if other they one. they make I... a habit out of that, it's going to, you know, quote, unquote, raise the stock of the network. Well, here's the other thing I wanted to say, too. Here, and, and, and here's a um, just something that, you know, it, it's fucking insane. And it's the fact that the Chamber, you got basically four people 
in this match that can essentially go right into the chamber. You know, who's your fifth at that point? Will the authority get mad and stick Kane in the chamber? See what I'm saying? Possibility. That's that's what I mean. The only other thing that I would like to see on the network, Brock's not coming back till SummerSlam, Val. As much as I'd love to see Brock Lesnar come out there. And think about it. If the Shield has been swerving us the entire time, Brock Lesnar is going to be very upset. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that motherfucker, I think Paul Heyman will be if back. If the Shield is back together, that Shield better be made out of fucking vibranium because Brock Lesnar is going to transform into Ultron. That's it, dude. It's going to be... It's gonna be it's going to be bananas if they do that. But the only other thing I wanted to mention before I go into the wrestling news for the week is what you were saying about, you know, WWE doing the special events. You know what I'd like to see? War Games. NXT versus WWE with the two cages. Or how about something that, you know, considering they fucking own them, even though they got rid of them, how about you do like some of the WCW style matches like shit with the two rings that's war freaky. games I mean you got that enough is. high flyers that you already brought in that's what I, that's what I said war games is the two rings with the two cages okay because you just said uh, WWE versus NXT I was saying right know, but using match, but right but using that saying. yeah using that bringing back war games for the network and do NX, you know team NXT versus team WWE and have fucking Neville just kill that shit. Yep. Jumping from ring to ring. Dude, team well that's the that'll be the swerve. The swerve will be team WWE will be like Neville, Reigns, Rollins, um Cena, and you got to throw a heel in there like Rusev. And then team NXT will be Zayn, Itami, Balor, Owens and like fucking the big goof. What's his name? Baron Corbin. Throw that big fucking motherfucker in there. People will be all into that immediately. Plus, people who, people who, dude, the motherfuckers will order the network immediately. They'll be like, yo, War Games, NXT versus WWE. Oh, it's good. people would jump on it immediately. Absolutely. Immediately. If and I, it gives the guys that they're not ready to bring up a chance, a chance to shine. To really shine. Yep. I agree 100%, sir. I agree 100%. I mean, we, we always say that NXT winds up giving a better product than WWE, but let's be realistic. Some of these guys, just they're, they're still not ready for the quote-unquote big leagues. Some aren't, yeah. There are some that I, I will agree with that statement to a point. And the reason I say that is because for you to call, I don't know, Sami Zayn a rookie, this fucking guy's been right. It, it, it's like when... when when um, Daniel Bryan did tough enough, and the Miz was his pro, <laughs> it's like, oh, Daniel Bryan's been wrestling since the kid, since the Miz was in diapers. Oh, I'm not calling any of them rookies. No, no, no. But that's what I mean. Like, like that's the thing. Like when you look at it, you say, yeah, some of them are ready for the for the main stage, and some of them aren't. There are guys like, like I said, like like Sami Zayn, where it's like, you know, this this promising young up and comer. It's like, uh, no, <laughs> or or you know, this amazing. You know, first time superstar, no. <laughs> I think Sami Zayn versus Seth Rollins in like a an Iron Man match should be a fucking classic. Yeah, dude. I mean they had that one match when when 
when Rollins and him had had one opening match. Well, the best match that I said is the future of this business was the match that Rollins had with Adrian Neville. Holy shit. <laughs> I said, I said, that's your... Unfortunately, I did not have NXT at that time. Well, no, no, no. So that was when Neville to came to, to Raw. No, Neville came to Raw and had that match with Rollins on Raw. That's when Neville, like, first... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was a great match. I said, I said, that's your main event for WrestleMania in, like, five years. <laughs> they need to have WrestleMania as an outdoor venue more, because that just, to me, that added to the, you know, the cinematic quality of the, the, the event. Plus, Rusev in a fucking tank was, was pretty badass. Oh, yeah. Plus, I, I, I've come to an amazing assumption. Rusev just yells un- for no reason, by the way. Like, I mean, he legitimately just, he'll be like, It's like, dude, why are you yelling? Like, he comes out, he's trying to cut a promo, he just ends up yelling. Your roast beef sandwich is ready. Yeah, but you he's know what it is? Cook, dude. Yeah, but besides that, I just feel like it's Russian Samuel L. Jackson. This is how I talk. <laughs> Haven't you seen any of my movies? Juice, that was a good one. Like that's him. Yep, the shock the ate me. Russian shock ate me. That's it. Seriously, that every time I look at him, I'm like, dude, what? Why? Just randomly yelling. Like Lana will come out, she'll do the quarter turn. Crowd is mad hype. Half the uh, half the guys got chubbies. They're like, like, okay, dude. All right, it's all right. It'll be all right. It'll be okay. You know what it would it's like be? The, it's like Lana turns him down for a blowjob every week before he comes to the ring. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's getting a little a little extreme, but sure. <laughs> but um, but I'm saying that that's why he's so angry. It's, it, it's like yo, I I'd laugh if they did product placement when he's yelling at a, at at like John Cena and John Cena just hands him a Snickers, and it's See? just like and it's just WWE creative. Yep. Like, it's like, yo, why are you handing him a Snickers? Because you're hungry. <laughs> Dude, the crowd would laugh their ass off, and they'd probably chant Snickers every time Rusev comes out. <laughs> they would chant it immediately. But anyway, I digress. Anything else you it's wanted like to add, my friend? He hands, he hands Rusev a Snicker, and he turns into freaking Bo Dallas. That would be pretty funny. <laughs> just the ca- or 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 he hands him the Snickers and the camera pans away and then when it comes back it's Hornswoggle because you know everyone loves Hornswoggle <laughs> everyone loves little people exactly ugh anything else you wanted to add my friend I'm good man all right dude I appreciate the call in as always no problem all right brother peace peace that was our very own Slick follow him on Twitter R W underscore Slick all right. Let's jump into the other wrestling news for the week and take it home. Uh, first off, a couple of weeks back, I announced WWE's partnership with Tap Out for a brand new fitness and lifestyle uh, line of apparel that WWE was putting out in partnership with Tap Out. Well, as it turns out, according to the Wrestling Observer newsletter, it seems that WWE's joint venture with Tap Out is more than just a joint venture, as they say that WWE owns a portion of of tap out due to this deal, which is very, very interesting. So what they're saying is that they thought that tap out was paying WWE as part of the sponsorship deal. But what they're saying is that now WWE actually owns an equity stake in tap out. So definitely very, very interesting 
turn of events with regards to that partnership. Of course, once I find out more or once I get further confirmation, I will definitely share it with you guys. While we were on the subject of NXT, it pains me to say that Hideo Itami is going to be on the shelf for their foreseeable future. His um, his availability for the Finn Balor-Tyler Breeze three-way match on NXT TakeOver is currently in question. If I am wrong and he has been removed, I didn't watch NXT, so put an asterisk next to that story. In any case... This shoulder injury that he sustained may keep him out anywhere from six to eight months. Uh, There's also a huge question of Sami Zayn also performing on that card. So again, shoulder injuries galore for the WWE NXT roster. Again, once I get further confirmation or if they have already changed the match, I will definitely address it next week. All right, so... WWE Tough Enough we know is coming back and WWE sent out a press release announcing that uh, Chris Jericho and Renee Young will be hosting Tough Enough and that your um, your panel of experts for Tough Enough are Hulk Hogan, Paige, and Daniel Bryan and that the, bo- the, t- uh, the, uh, the trainers for this season are Booker T, Billy Gunn, and Lita. So Tough Enough is definitely shaping up to be a very, very interesting show when it airs on the wwe network all right so with that said that is actually going to wrap up this week's wrestling segment and with that we're also going to wrap up the show as well all right guys let's take it away shall we you've just heard my take radio episode 293 which broadcasts live wednesday march 13th 2015 If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio, feel free to send me an email at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com or rich at rageworks.net. With regards to social media, you can find My Take Radio on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, and on Pinterest as well. Last but not least, archived episodes of this show for audio. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, and tune in radio for video you're going to head over to either our official rageworks youtube channel or my take radio tv on youtube as well either one of those options will give you full audio versions of the show um full video versions of the show sorry and um like i said for audio itunes stitcher and tune in radio last but not least if you want the best my take radio experience pick up the official my take radio app available for android iOS and Windows mobile devices. It's $1.99. It's cheaper than a cup of coffee at Starbucks. And it gives you access to 96K stereo audio of the show, plus exclusive content and access to any of our other shows, including MTR Behind the Mic, Beyond the Mic, The Minority Film Report, and other content before it is released to the general public. All right, guys, we are out of here. Join us. Uh, later today because it is officially thursday for our gaming and entertainment edition of my take radio airing live on mtrlive.com and gfqlive.tv thank you guys again for tuning in and for your continued support i am out of here peace I'm rich, bitch. <laughs> that's all folks <laughs>